Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. The other day I was uh, chatting with uh, some friends and invited them to come to a presentation on the astronomical evidence that the solar system was young. Uh, One of the uh, local uh, churches was putting on a a program where they were showing a a DVD uh, by a uh, former NASA engineer and he was explaining, um, was going to be explaining some of the evidence Uh, for a young uh, solar system that fits into with the biblical creation model of only um, 6,000 years or so. And so I invited our our friends who were uh, chatting away and the um, uh, friends are Christians uh, too and uh, the the, um, husband said, well, um, well, how how young do they think the solar system is going to be? And well, I wasn't you know, quite sure what the video was going to say because I hadn't actually seen it, uh, So, uh, but I knew it supported biblical creation, so I said, well, it will support the biblical account of creation of only thousands of years. And the husband said, well, how does um, that, uh, you know, that uh, fit in with the fact that here in Australia we have um, Australian Aboriginal uh, early civilization or early, you know, activity remains ga- that have been dated as you know forty thousand years old, and he uh, talked, uh, mentioned in particular a, a program that they'd seen on the um, ABC um, uh, television about uh, caves up in the Kakadu National Park where there were um, extensive. Aboriginal um, paintings had been uh, discovered uh, by some uh, French archaeologists and uh, archaeologists working with other uh, archaeologists from Australian universities as well. And they had carbon dated some of the layers in the these uh, paintings and also some of the soot layers over the top of uh, some of the, the paintings. And uh, they'd come up with a, a series of ages as they carbon dated and went back 40,000. And I think the oldest ones uh, were about 40,000 years. I went and looked up the, the site um, on the um, internet there, the archaeological findings and, and the carbon-14 dating. Now, I've spoken about carbon-14 dating before and how this carbon-14 dating isn't an absolute measure. It, it depends on um, the calibration curves that we use and these calibration curves that we use are are then set up using other forms of dating such as tree rings and and the the, uh, valves in lakes and these sort of things that again that are based on assumption that these rings and and, and layers and so forth uh, correspond to annual layers. So there's a whole lot of circular reasoning there and we've, uh, you know, I've discussed earlier on that, you know, there's a lot of uh, problems with this. And when we look at these calibration curves and, and other day that we have uh, on the basis of the Earth's magnetic field declining, the carbon-14 levels being much lower in the atmosphere in the past and all this sort of thing, we do these corrections. It brings these long ages back to only a few thousand years and well within the biblical time frame. The problem that highlighted at that time 
with um, our friends was that, of course, they weren't aware of this. They had accepted at face value these ages of 40,000 years, as if they are a fact. And this is one of the big issues that we, um, that I guess Christians face. And as we try to understand the creation model and the biblical model and why a lot of people uh, that are Christians are moving over to a uh, atheistic evolution interpretation of the uh, the fossil record and trying to explain all these older dates that we see is the the lack of awareness that these dates that are put up on these television programs um, and are being used by the archaeologists in our universities and the paleontologists and this sort of thing, they haven't actually been validated. They haven't actually been proved. They're fitting a an old Earth model, a old solar system model, a model that says that the Earth was formed approximately four and a half billion years ago. That the um, and at least the uh, the solar system at least must be four and a half billion years old, and and essentially they date the universe as being in the order of twelve billion years old, maybe thirteen. You know the, these sort of orders of magnitude. And because these are presented repeatedly uh, within the media, um, then uh, it, it can be expected that the average person that is going about their daily life, uh, trying to be a good you know, person in the community, a good parent and so forth, um, come to accept, well, these must be facts. The important thing is that these long ages have not been verified as being accurately, um, you know, as being the the true ages. And I've talked to, you know, previously about other data that we have, such as the the continents would erode in less than 10 million years. Um, We've we've got a, and yet we date the continents at two and a half thousand billion years. There's, There's all this conflicting information. If we radiometrically date recent lava flows, the historical lava flows, that we, we saw them erupt, we get hundreds of millions of years. You know, and I point out that, you know, the classic work that was done on the Mount Nauahoe volcano eruptions where uh, the, the lava from the 1948 and early 1950 eruptions was dated by the Australian National University team they're um, using, you know, the modern um, isochron dating methods that are that are used, and the the ages came out, you know, from 130 million years up to three and a half thousand million years, for depending on the radioisotope system that they used, for rocks that were only 50 years old at the time when those measurements were made in in 2000, and similarly when we date those uh, carbon date the uh, the Aboriginal um, you know, ash remains and so forth in their caves, and we get these figures like 40,000 years, we forget we, we get those same ages for coal. When we, radiate, when we carbon date coal, we get the same ages. When we carbon date dinosaur remains, we get, you know, 20, 25,000 years, 30,000 years, this sort of thing. So what, what we're doing is the picture, 
when we date the the dinosaurs, when we date the coal, with then we don't hear much about that on the news. No, that doesn't come out in the news. But when we date the uh, you know, something with the Indigenous findings, whether it's here in Australia or in China or somewhere else, and we get these, or Africa, and we get these ages of, of 40,000 years. Oh, yes, yeah, this is civilised, oh, well, civil, you know, human activity dating back to these ages. But they're all coming back the same. The, what it's saying is that if we look at this day that we have, when we date the coal, it comes back at, you know, at the same ages as the... We date the um, these deposits where there was definite human activity. So what we need to understand is that these dating methods aren't giving us what the actual ages are, and there's all different ways to attempt to uh, calibrate them. And uh, you know, I was I, I guess I felt um, you know d- disappointed that our um, our friends. Uh, or there's, you know, a couple that we're good friends with. Again, this, this conflict. Well, they weren't interested in coming along uh, so much and, and seeing the program uh, that highlighted the astronomical evidence, again, that the the solar system itself is young. And um, I, I found the program, I went, went along to the um, DVD showing and it was... Um, uh, at the uh, church on on the uh, Sunday afternoon, it was it was uh, very revealing. The guide was very clear, and one, there were a few points that really uh, stood out to me. Now, one of the planets that we hear a lot about is is Saturn, and the uh, and, uh, particularly because of its ring, this ring system, and the 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 speaker on the program highlighted some really interesting things about Saturn. Now, um, when, we, when we think of planets in our solar system, you know, we think of, well, we get pictures of Mars sent back, you know, then there's talk about sending a, um, an expedition, you know, a, um, astronauts out to Mars to, build the, the, to land humans on Mars and a new project. We've landed humans on the moon. It's land humans on on Mars and, um, you know, and we've sent um, different probes there and they've landed and so forth. But I think what many of us forget, including, you know, and I have forgotten at the, at the time as well, that these giant planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus and Neptune, these outer four planets, uh, major planets in our solar system, are actually gas giants. They're not made out of rock. They're made out of gases. They're, they're, they're made out of hydrogen, which is the lightest and simplest uh, gas and an atom, just um, uh, a single proton in the nucleus there. And, and if there are the isotopes there, then you may have uh, uh, none or one or two neutrons there in a single atom or helium. Uh, the other gas uh, that they're uh, made out of, which... Um, of course, there's two protons in the nucleus um, and two neutrons and um, the orbiting electrons. So these are extremely light elements. They're, they're gases. Now, 
at very low temperatures, of course, um, they can become liquids. And, of course, at really, 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 really low temperatures, they become uh, solids. And, and hydrogen, for example, can exhibit metallic properties. So here is a gas. So when it's in that state, um, it has really, really interesting and unusual behaviour that scientists uh, study. But that's what these, these planets are not solid rock as we would imagine them. They are gas. They're made out of gases. Now, one of the th interesting aspects is that how did the solar system form? Well, we have this gas dust nebulae theory that, um, that you have this big spinning ball of dust and, and um, gases and so forth, and gradually they condensed into the different planets. Well, it's interesting. The fact that these gas giants are still there doesn't actually fit with any planet formation um, model that would sustain them over, you know, billions of years. If that was the case, they should have actually just been drawn back into the, the sun and absorbed. And the, this, um, again, space expert pointed that out, that these planets, in actual fact, if they were that old, if they were the four and a half billion years old, they shouldn't be there. The, these gas planets shouldn't be there. Now, Saturn is a really interesting one because we have a lot of data on that. So quite a bit of this data was uh, published actually um, very, very recently in the last year or so from the uh, Cassini-Hugens uh, missions, uh, spacecraft, which studied the, uh, the Saturn system uh, back in 2017. Um, it went, it went uh, past there uh, and, well, it had been sent back information and it had been out there for about uh, 13 years uh, prior to that. And one of the phenomena the spacecraft measured is the infall of dust and other material onto the rings of Saturn. So as Saturn moves through space, it um, these rings... now. It found that these rings are accumulating significant amounts of dust. Now, and this incoming material darkens the rings. So these uh, rings that are made up of, um, of, of quite actual uh, small uh, particles um, around the, uh, these, uh, these rings... The rings actually don't um, contain uh, very much material. There's a, an illustration that um, has been used that these rings are actually very thin. If we, if we made a large-scale model of Saturn and it was the size of a, a large city, like the size of Sydney, then the rings would only be the thickness of a sheet of paper. So these rings are actually quite thin when you uh, look at them um, edge on. Uh, they're made up of uh, you know, particles of um, quite small um, particles of rock and ice um, and these rings orbit in this really, really narrow plane, just in this amazing narrow plane. There's actually no known explanation 
for how those rings could have formed and why they're so thin, why they're just in that really, really thin layer around um, Saturn. And it's very interesting. As I said, this spacecraft is looking at the rate at which these material are accumulating on the rings. And the rings, however, are not all that dark. And again, when we look at the rate of which the material is accumulating, if Saturn was really as old as, you know, we say the Earth is and the, and the rings around it, then they, they just wouldn't be there. They wouldn't just look the way they are. They, the rings must be young. This is the evidence that um, we have now. And it appears that, you know, astronomers have come up with all sorts of explanations to try and explain, well, how, how come the rings are really young? Why should they be, be that young? So this is, um, you know, one of the fascinating things about... Um, and just, just one little example that really stood out to, to me is that the, um, the amount of material, and there's a lot of material raining down on these uh, rings. The other thing is that the rings are disappearing as well. They're slowly, um, um, you know, the ice is uh, evaporating and this sort of thing. And again, the, from the rate at which the material in the rings is slowly being dissipated, Again, all this evidence points that these rings and the planets are very young. And so, uh, again, from the rate at which they've measured that the planets, uh, that these rings are losing material, they can't be very old. So, uh, this is, again, we have this evidence just with this planet, um, something like Saturn, that it's. Um, quite these little subtle points, all these points that are pointing to the fact that it um, are very young. Now, Saturn has a moon called uh, Enceladus, uh, Enceladus, sorry, E-N-C-E-L-A-D-U-S. And when they looked at the, the picture or studied this moon, what it looks like, there's a huge geyser coming out of it absolutely huge it's it's spewing material into space at a great rate and when they look at the rate and i've seen the picture of this and really it's um if you uh, imagine a a balloon a typical balloon and say you blew the uh you know balloon up a little bit and you've got the the neck of the balloon where you've blown it up so uh, at the uh, photograph that I saw of Enceladus, the size of this geyser in proportion to the size of the moon is the size of the thickness of the, um, you know, the opening where you blow the balloon up. And so it, this is this massive geyser that is spewing material out of it into outer space. So again, the, there's no explanation as to how this uh, particular um, moon, 
which is covered with ice, by the way, seems to have an ice surface on it, can be producing this material. Now, one of the issues is with these um, planets that are so far out, that are so small like that, these smaller moons, that they should have cooled down so much that there, there shouldn't be any of this sort of activity still happening. There shouldn't be any you know, molten or gaseous material still coming out um, of the, like water. It, um, um, I'm not sure if it's water or methane coming out, but uh, whatever the material is coming out of this geyser. But it's really spectacular. As I said, if you see the photograph of, uh, photograph of it that was taken, you know, you've got the um, sort of like a, a neck of the balloon that, and you haven't fully blown up. And I'm talking about blowing up a balloon so that, you know, it's really tight. It's when you get to that stage where you're starting to blow the balloon up and there's still quite a substantial neck on it where you're blowing it up. So, you know, that, that's a huge amount of material now is coming out of this particular moon. And again, for that to be happening, it can't be that old. Here we are, we're watching. It's happening now. Um... So these are just some of the uh, classic things that they're, they're finding out there. Uh, the other one, um, Jupiter, is, uh, the, is, as I said, another gas giant. Uh, it's, it's not made of solid material. It's made of gas, hydrogen and helium, largely. And it has a moon that um, Io, Io, just cap, spelt Io, it's one of the moons, and it is solid. It is it has solid material, and it's volcanically active. Now, again, this again is a, a smaller to moon um, out there, uh, so far out. It's, it's a long way from the sun. It should have really cooled down. There shouldn't be any volcanic activity anymore on that uh, moon if it was uh, that old. Um, Another one is uh, when we look at um, uh, one of the fast things that fascinated me in this program was that um, Uranus, so you've got uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Uranus actually rotates backwards. So um, it rotates in the opposite direction to what it does around us. So it's sort of like a, how our planets spin. It, um, it rotates uh, uh, backwards, and I think it rotates at uh, right angles too. I'm just trying to, um, to think. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the planet that uh, he talked about. So as all the other planets spin uh, more or less on the same uh, with parallel axis as they go around the sun, whereas Uranus goes around the sun as if it's a rotating football at right angles to the rotation, which is uh, quite interesting. And again, it's another gas planet. It's out of gas. When we look at uh, Neptune, the next planet out, and the furthest of these large gas planets, again, hydrogen and helium is what it made, it's made of, but it, it shouldn't exist anymore. It should have um, been actually just drawn back into the sun and just not exist as a gas plant anymore but it's there it's existing and it has quite a substantial amount of uh, methane now uh, Neptune has a um, a moon called Triton and again it has a massive volcano belching 
material out into space. And it can, way out there, it should have cooled down. It, it shouldn't be uh, volcanic active material anymore. Uh, another fascinating uh, thing is that um, Triton orbits Neptune in the opposite direction. So um, it's quite, um, you know, quite, quite fascinating. So um, yes, and and that and that's right. Uranus oper- uh, rotates in the opposite direction, as I mentioned, to all the other uh, planets except, um, I think, Venus. So. These little things like the uh, this moon of Triton at Neptune out there, it's fascinating. How, how can these planets, if they're all formed from some mechanistic thing, some be orbiting in the opposite direction, totally in the opposite direction or totally right angles with their orbits? The, the picture that we have, and, and really, really strong evidence was presented in this program. I, I felt it was very compelling pro- evidence that... These planets in our solar system were created only very recently and they were created specifically with specific properties and specific orbits. They don't fit into a pattern that would logically evolve from some overall mechanism breaking down. And this is because of the characteristics of their uh, rotations and the existence of these gas planets and the existence of the rings that if they were really that old, they, they would have dissipated, they'd be much darker. All these different aspects we look at, the uh, presenter talked about the types of magnetic fields that some of these planets have um, generated. Some of them generate strong magnetic fields from the um, metallic hydrogen effect. And the, the nature of these magnetic fields really can't be explained in terms of current magnetic dynamo theories. So, and the strength of the magnetic fields, again, all these things point to these plants being young. If uh, the people listening uh, are interested in watching these uh, videos, they're, they're, they are up online, I've found out. Because uh, at the end of the program, they put up the website. And the website is called creationastronomy, all one word, dot com. Creationastronomy.com. And I would recommend Googling that and having a look at the uh, videos because the guy puts up on the screen the references to the peer-reviewed uh, astronomy journals, uh, where this data is there, where... Leading astronomers point out they've got no explanation for how these planets could form and be the way they are. They've got no explanation as to how those planets could be there when they should have, you know, disappeared a long time ago. They shouldn't exist there um, and so forth. No explanation for how there can be volcanic activity happening still in planets that are so small, so far away from the sun and so young. Uh, and, you know, and yet meant to be so old they should have frozen solid by now. So we have so much information that all is pointing back to the biblical position and fits with the biblical position that our solar system was only created thousands of years ago. And I think this should be so encouraging uh, to us all, uh, those of us who believe in the Bible, that the Bible is true. It is telling us about a wonderful creator God who loves us, who came as Jesus Christ to save us. And when I look at the science, 
the science now is all pointing back to a young earth and a young solar system, just as the Bible said. You've been listening to Faith and Science. And remember, you can listen to these programs too by Googling 3ABN Australia. .org.au and click on the listen button and there you'll see programs Faith and Science, Science Conversations and many other great programs. Again, you've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.